In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God. It's wonderful to be with a group of servants at the beginning of the year and for us to be able to reflect together. And I just wanted to pick something um, that I'm sure you've read before, but I, I hope will be helpful. And that comes from um, the second epistle to Timothy, uh, chapter 1 starting from verse 3. I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience, as my forefathers did, and without ceasing I remember you in my prayers day and night, gaily desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. And that is such a beautiful greeting to the people we serve. It, it shows a variety of things. The first thing it has is thanksgiving. I thank God. And we talk about thanksgiving, we know about thanksgiving, we've probably taught about thanksgiving, we've preached about thanksgiving. But how many of us really live thanksgiving on a day-to-day -day basis? and in our service. And there is something that concerns me in, in our service sometimes in that because we serve and because we serve a lot and our church, you know, it's a blessing and at the same time a challenge that we have so much service. And it's, it's a blessing because so many people benefit but it's a challenge because often I will speak to servants or see servants or deal with servants who will consider their service a burden. They feel that it's, it's heavy. It's not bringing them joy. It's not bringing them satisfaction. It's not enriching them spiritually. And that is quite dangerous and quite alarming. I'm not saying that service will not be without difficulties and challenges and obstacles. And we've all, we've all experienced those. We've all felt them. We've all seen them. But there still must be joy in our service. I, I can tell you for a fact, you know, in my service in the past decades, There are very few times where I haven't felt joy. Now, don't get me wrong, I have felt frustration, I've felt tiredness, I've sometimes even felt uh, lots of obstacles and attacks. That's normal, we all go through that. But, but there's always an element of joy and thanksgiving in ministry. And if I'm not rejoicing in it, then I will feel that it's a burden. So when St. Paul starts by saying, I thank God, I wonder how many times we can think of our service and first and foremost say, I thank God. So that's just a question. 
And then he goes on to say, I thank God whom I serve with a pure conscience. Do we have a pure conscience before God when we serve? People can see through us as servants. People look into our eyes, into our actions, into our words, and they can see much. And so as much as possible, we need to have a pure conscience. A conscience in that I am dedicating my time, I'm giving of myself, I'm, I am putting this service and these people I'm serving, this thing that I'm serving, as a priority. That's what allows me to have a pure conscience. Not thinking, I should have done more and could have done more. Of course, we always can do a little bit more. But if we do our best, that is all God wants. If I'm not withholding, if I'm not holding back my best, if I'm not just doing enough to get by, or even not doing as much as I really should be. But then he says, as my forefathers did. When we look at our service, we must realize that we are part of something much, much bigger. When we look at our service, we're not looking at a particular parish. We have people from a variety of parishes here. But we are speaking about a service that is within the context of a diocese, of our church, of the body of Christ, of the mission of our Lord Jesus Christ since the beginning 2,000 years ago. We serve within a context. This is not my message. It's not your message. It's not Pope Teodos' message or Pope Schneider's message or Pope Carolus' message or whoever it is who ordained us. It is the message of our Lord Jesus Christ who has come from him through St. Mark, through the church, and we receive it today. And they have all served with a pure conscience. This is why you and I are sitting here today. If they hadn't served, we wouldn't be here. If they hadn't served faithfully and with a pure conscience, we wouldn't be here. So I'm wondering if we were to think in five years or 10 years or 20 years, those who are serving and being served have we been faithful today so that they can say that they serve with a pure heart as their forefathers and mothers have? Are we able to be those inspiring role models, those examples that really make a difference? He goes on to say, as without ceasing, I remember you in my prayers day and night. And again, do we pray for the people we're serving? 
And is it a prayer of thanksgiving? Is it a prayer of appreciation? Is it a prayer day and night? Many of us serve and I've seen your Sunday school classes and your youth classes and your Bible studies and it's great. But outside of that time of service, are we still serving? Outside of that scope, are we still serving? I think it's important for us to answer that. Are we still able to say that I pray for you day and night? I remember you in my prayers. Only a few days ago, I visited a young man, probably in his 30s, who had very late stage cancer and who passed away just this morning. In seeing him and having an opportunity to pray with him and then for him, I felt an incredible connection. When we pray for those whom we serve, we are connected to them. We are not teachers, we are servants. We are not educators. We are not people who just pass on information, no matter how valuable it is. But we connect, we have a relationship. One of the things I love most about our church is the very practical and engaged approach we have towards ministry. I, I love the fact that I still engage with people on a personal basis. I love the fact that our fathers, the priests, are a natural extension of every family. I love that the servants are able to deal with and live with people they serve and engage with them. I love that. Don't underestimate it. It comes at a cost, it's difficult, it's time consuming. It's sometimes even disappointing when things don't go the way we want. But do not underestimate the beauty and the strength of that relationship. And that relationship is crowned when I am able to stand and to remember the people I serve in my prayers. You know, we often, often, too often, speak to people and they say, I just, I don't know what to pray for. I, I don't know how to fill my time in prayer. Pray for the people you know. Pray for the people you serve. Pray for the people who are the source of blessing in your life. Don't forget they are our blessing. When we serve people, we receive a blessing in our lives. And that's really important for us. And that's why we remember them constantly in our prayers. So Paul goes on to say, greatly desiring to see you, being mindful of your tears, that I may be filled with joy 
when I recall to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. You know, when um, those of you who are parents on this call, even when you have three little boys, right? You have great joy and great pride in your children. You see them grow up, you see them accomplish, you know, you, you, we all know those lovely Sunday school performances where the kids get up and they're playing their violins. And it is really, really, you know, unnerving for most people there. But for the parents, they're so proud. And you see them improve, get better over time. And, you know, in their mind, this is, a, this, this is, this is you know, a member of the Philharmonic Orchestra playing because they have so much pride in those children. We see our children grow and accomplish, and we love to see that. The same goes for our spiritual children. You know, I keep speaking about myself because I, I do want to make this a little bit personal. I don't just want to make this as, you know, something that is out there because I want your service to be personal to you. Having been here for almost 30 years, I am now starting to baptize the children of children I baptized. And to see people grow and develop and, 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 and you know, go into different stages of their lives and accomplish, it doesn't just fill me with pride, it fills me with joy, with love. When I see parishes, you know, if you look at even the smallest of parishes, when you see them grow and flourish, it fills you with joy. When you see little ministries that start just as an idea, just as a seedling, and then they grow and they flourish and they become fruitful, it fills you with joy. And that is the joy we need to have in our service. That I may be filled with joy when I recall to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. Especially when we see our children, our ministries, growing in God. It's such a beautiful thing. It is wonderful to see people you started serving as laymen, sometimes as children or young people, becoming priests, becoming monks, becoming nuns, becoming consecrated deacons and deaconesses. And it is because you see God's work in them. Filled with joy, and I recall to remembrance the genuine faith that is in you. The faith that grows and blossoms and flourishes and becomes fruitful. That's the joy that we feel. Do not be hampered by the stresses and the difficulties of service. Do not forget the joy that comes from being fellow workers 
with our Lord. It is an incredible privilege. It is a wonderful blessing. It is something that none of us deserves, and myself first among you. Who of us deserves to be a fellow worker with God? And yet he gives us that privilege. He fills us with that privilege. Because it's important to him. It's important to him that we are his fellow workers. And this is St. Paul, you know, speaking here. I can very easily, in my mind, with my imagination, superimpose these words on God speaking to me and speaking to you. I can very easily hear our Lord saying to us that he continues to support us. That he has joy in us. That he has joy in the remembrance of the genuine faith that is in us when we are genuinely faithful. And this is why we have the Incarnation. He came to give us a plan, a blueprint, a model, a template of how we should live and how we should serve. He who was first and above all became last and a servant to all. That's what he asked us to do. He literally washed the feet of his disciples. This wasn't a symbolic act. He literally washed the feet of his disciples. The hands that fashioned us, the hands that fashioned the universe, in the incarnation became the hands that washed the feet of the disciples. What an incredible lesson that is to us. The heart that created us in the incarnation became the heart that embraced the marginalized, the alienated, the rejected, the sinners, all those who were cast aside. That heart embraced us all. And by embracing us, empowered us and enriched us to become better and better and better. So we give thanks for that. As servants, we give thanks for all that God gives us. We give thanks that we are able to be his fellow workers, but we give thanks for those whom we serve. And the more difficult they are, the more challenging they are, the more we give thanks for them. I know, I know we don't feel like it at times, but we give thanks for them because we know that through serving them, we become closer to the image of our Lord Jesus Christ, who served the whole world and served a disobedient world that broke every rule and fell 
and necessitated for him as the incarnate word to come and save us. So we give thanks for that. We give thanks to our Lord. We give thanks for this opportunity. We give thanks for those whom we serve. We give thanks for the ministry. And we give thanks for every day that we are able to walk in the footsteps of our Lord as those who serve his creation and his children. And glory be to God forever.